Would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long, funny ears, kicks up at anything he hears. His back is brawny and his brain is weak. He's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak. You don't want to stay in school. You might just grow up to be a mule. That's, that's all you get. <laughs> Aaron, that was great, man. That was more than enough. Thank you so much for opening the show that way, man. We love it. Honestly, I know, I know it's nerve wracking, but it's uh, it's our little thing, man. It totally works. Uh, it's okay. It's um, outside of my comfort zone, and uh, I just went there, so it's Thank not you. a bad thing. Thank you. Welcome to the construction life, Aaron. How's everything? Yeah. It's good. It's you're, good. We you're had, you're uh, an hour ahead of us, right? So where, where, where exactly are you located? Graham and Anne, New Brunswick. There we so are. There I'm, we are. I'm on an island in the middle of the Bay of Fundy. What's the temperature today? Uh, it's been all over the place. Last time I checked, it was zero and the relative humidity was 81%. Uh, we've got we've uh, got a we got a thread of some snowstorm coming our way in the Toronto area, so that's going to be nice. We had and snow fun. today. We had snow today, so you guys are just traveling from you coming to us. All right, awesome. All right, we've got Aaron Jones here on the show, a Big Dog Construction. Uh, on e- or his email is bigdogconstruction at live.ca, and on Instagram it's bigdogconstruction.gm. So where do we want to begin, Aaron? I don't know, man. This is your show. <laughs> This is your show. Well, let's you let's go far the back. Beginning? Yeah, the beginning, the very beginning. I mean, you're 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 a young cat, so I mean, like, when did you first fall in love with construction? Oh man, uh, honestly. Um, and then you can tell me when you fell out of love construction. Because <laughs> that happens. That happens sometimes on a weekly <laughs> basis. Happens. I know. I don't know anybody with gray hair exactly. who hasn't fallen out of love. Exactly. Uh, they usually get back into it. Um, I can't, I can't tell you exactly when, but, um, I, I can tell you a moment. Okay. Uh, so I was still, I don't know. I, I don't know how old I was. I was a young child. Um, do you remember those old kid carpenter sets that came? They were in a little wooden chest and they opened up like that. I still have it somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I have it. Damn, I know I, have I still have my Tonka dump truck. The original one, as a kid, I still have that. That nice. I know where it is. Nice. Yes. Nice. So I did get the. I did get one of those. So I remember we were on the farm. I, I don't know if it was Christmas or my birthday, but it was cold outside, and I was out in the wood pile, and I was, I was doing stuff. I, I don't know what I actually built, but I was. I had my hands. I had the tools. And I was enjoying what I was doing. I remember I had to get called in for supper. Uh, and it was pretty dark. <laughs> so I'm, I must have been doing something right. That's the first moment that I remember that I loved working with my hands. A sense of losing time. A sense of building something. A sense of the world around you not really being all that active. And everything was focused on this whatever I was making. I couldn't even tell you what I made. It was yeah. probably, it was probably nothing, but it was, 
it was very important to that young little boy. I, I do know that. You ever catch yourself, uh, Aaron, occasionally on the job site, kind of reverting back to that moment and trying to, it kind of feels like a deja vu moment sometimes on the job site. Oh man. Uh, solo days. Yeah. Solo days. Sometimes, um, you know, like it, it was eight o'clock in the morning and now it's two thirty. And you turn around and all this stuff is done. Yeah. And and you just haven't stopped. You just you just went. And uh not that not that I don't like working with the crew because I, I do enjoy that immensely, but it's uh it's a nice treat that I just have a solo day sometimes. I I I everybody starts as solo, right? And then uh once you stop speaking to the voices, then you're kind of glad that, you know. You got people around you now communicating with you, which is great. But then it just it becomes more of a task at that point. Now you gotta you gotta trade sit, you gotta organize, manage it, you know, and all that other stuff. And and then you gotta deal with, I guess, egos. You gotta think with uh, the stereotypes of each crew and or each sub trade or all that stuff, right? So it's just it's an ever evolving kind of machine. That's the construction life, right? If you run a big crew, you you you're a diplomat. Yes, that's, that's all you are. You're yes. a diplomat. Yes, you are. You're, you know, managing people, stroking egos. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. If you have, you know, I'm going to say as soon as you go over eight, that's it. <laughs> you might as well be the that's teacher it. in the classroom, right? Yeah. Might as well. What are you loving about these days when you're building? What is it that's kind of keeping you all jazzed and excited? We, uh, we're a much smaller crew than, uh, like actually we just every year we're getting smaller. <laughs> Why is that? People leaving? Well, moving? Some of it's location. Okay. Some, some of it's where we live. Uh, and, and that was by choice too. And, uh, you know, our, our choice to move to the Island was to slow down. Uh, the workload for me hasn't slowed down, but I'm also on the tools every day, all day now. Uh, there's, you know, I won't say I ever put my bags down, but there was lots of days that I wore them and didn't actually use them. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's just, we're slowing down, but we're not slowing down. And, uh, I don't know. Just changing. We're changing the way we do things. And uh, I don't know. I think it's for the better. When did you consciously start to make that change? Did you have a, a moment recently that you started thinking we should be going this way? It, uh, so <laughs> I'm in some ways, I am like a huge proponent of change. But I'm also that guy in construction is like the same as good, change is bad. Yes. If you know what I mean. And yes. I, I know you do. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's over 10 years ago now. Oh, no, it's 10 years ago. 10 years ago. We, uh, we had a big commercial job on the island here. Uh, we took a commercial contract, framing contract. We picked up the siding contract along the way for this commercial job. Um, it's like $14 million project. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, we we were to be fair, we were a sub on the job, so like our end was mostly labor, but nonetheless, it was still a pretty big project. Yeah. Uh, I forget the square footage. I should know it off the top of my head, but I don't. But anyways, um, this is for a nursing home, anyways. So we finished that project. We were on that project for a year. We finished that project. We ended up with a house on the island because, well, you know, the island's only so big. There's only so many places to rent. There's only so many places to house people. Um, we just, when we ended up with it, we just viewed it as it was going to be a vacation home down the road. Uh, but if you live in a place for a year, you meet people, you make friends, you know. Um, and we both kind of forgot what small town Canada was like. So that was kind of nice to see that again. And uh, went back to the mainland. We already had some work booked here on the island. And we traveled back and forth. And, and Gina saw it before I did. Gina's like, she said, we're going to just eventually be on the island full time. And I, I was like, I don't see it. I don't buy it. I don't think we can make a go of things there. Um, and anyways, one day she turned to me and she said, I just booked the whole year on the island. <laughs> And that was it. Um, so, and we ended up moving to the island. And although we had people from the mainland, uh, after a while, people get tired of traveling. Yeah. And slowly, you know, that crew dwindled and uh, we didn't replace a lot of them. And uh, actually, now it's down to, uh, well, Gina does a lot of stuff behind the scenes that nobody ever sees, but um, and she does a lot of our paint and prep and finish work and all our tile work. But day to day, most days is just me and one other person now. I know that you were recently here in Toronto, and and you got to check out uh, the Construct Canada show. Is the first time you ever attended it? The first time I was to Construct Canada, yeah, yeah, okay, it's a good show. It's definitely a good show to go to. And check it was. Out. It was not what I was expecting. What were you expecting? Um, I guess I was expecting your typical trade show. No, um, no, it's not quite like that. No, they, it, they it actually respect us. They actually respect tradespeople. They actually are watching our backs, which is what I like about it. Well, there is that, but I, I guess I was expecting like more tools and, and stuff like that. And there was, there's none of that. No, uh, no, that's IBS. Was, go down to IBS in Vegas and, and you'll see all that stuff going on there. Go down a world of concrete and you'll see all of that there. Uh, yeah. That's heavily tool driven. Yeah. Big toys, yeah. small toys. But uh, just about everybody I talked to was uh, an architect, an engineer, or um, a hands-off builder, if you know what I mean by that. Okay, yeah. There was very, very few actual, uh, not that there wasn't any, because there was. Um, there was some hands-on people that come through that I run into. But for the most part, it was architects, engineers, designers, uh, that sort of thing. So that was, you know, that's what the show was. I don't know. I was curious to know Maybe about... It was the wrong place. No, it's interesting. Yeah, I was curious to know 
um, the tradespeople from where you're from, are they much different than the tradespeople here? Are we cut from the same? No, they're about the same, right? No, tradespeople across Canada, I I think are, are roughly the same. I mean, you know, everything is on a curve and and that's unfortunate, but you're going to have, you know, your guys are just getting through the day. You're going to have the people that are are still growing and you're going to have your overachievers. That's, that's the same in any, any trade, any, any occupation. Yeah. You're going to have that. I agree. Yeah. And I, and I'm slowly learning that it's the same thing around the world too. It is. Yeah. It really is. We're, we're Um, more alike than not, you know, so I, I had the great opportunity to uh, spend a little time in Switzerland in August and see some construction stuff happening there and um, went to a couple of different manufacturing plants. There some prefab, uh, a window plant, and they, they do build some stuff differently over there in Europe, but it's the same problem. Yep. They're in a labor crisis. They don't have enough people. So, and it's not just, Switzerland, that's Europe as well. I think it's the whole just, world. Yeah. 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 So now, okay, so now you got a smaller crew out there. Are you liking it better? Are you liking that vibe that's kind of bringing you back to, the, I guess, the earlier days and, and you can have more focus? I guess you could be a little more clearly directed when you're working. It's either got to be two or four. Okay. <laughs> That's where that's where I'm at in life right now. It's either got to be two people, including myself, or four people. And if if I can't have if I can't have those numbers, I'm I'm not interested anymore. You don't need the odd odd person out. I I tried it for a little while, and um, there are situations where it works very well. You know, if I can be on the saw feeding two people you can get some production absolutely you can but when that stage of construction is over and you move into something else then it's either two people doing something and then i'm over here doing something that only i can do instead of showing somebody how to do what i can only do and i I don't mean that to in that way, it's just they don't have the experience to do it yet. They haven't done it enough or they've never done it before. Um, and I don't know. That's not really passing things on. And I, I think that's where I'm at. I'm I'm ready just to, if I have any knowledge, I just want to give it to you. Am I, Aaron, am I fair to say, because this is how I, I kind of get the sense from you, you're more of a thinking person's tradesperson instead of just a swinging the hammer tradesperson. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean by that? I've been accused of that before. Okay. And the only reason I bring that up is because you can see it. You can totally see it in your work that there was thought, more thought than the average, I would say, behind the action of the work. And has that always been the case with you? Unintentionally, probably yes. Okay. Um, Even when I was still learning how to be a carpenter i was i was accused of that uh i remember i was doing a commercial job uh, in town and i was working for cd drywall we were steel stud hanging board and i had a partner 
and we were working together and uh, uh his name will come to me but uh <laughs> damn. don't worry it comes with the gray hair it totally comes with the gray hair just yeah use, anyways use he would hair. come by and he would yeah. call us the brains in the brawn nice That's what he, and, and i wasn't the brawn yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's good to do that and i guess i want to ask you are we are we better, like, are we building better these days? Or are we just like, are there way too many products out there that are kind of creating this construction noise? Like everybody's kind of getting into our system and we're like, oh, you got to do this to make this better. You got to do that to make it better. Is that, is that what's going on here? Is that what I'm seeing? I, without, without, there's a lot of noise. Yeah. There's a lot of noise. That's what I mean. There's yeah. a lot of noise. Um, but the world got smaller, right? Um, so you're not just dealing with stuff that was manufactured in your own country or, you know, within 500 miles. You're dealing with a world market. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And everybody's competing for that little piece of the pie. I think tradespeople have to be smarter now than ever. They have to be more aware of what they're doing and the choices they're making than ever and um some of the stuff that you guys got going on in ontario honest honestly it kind of scares me hmm. uh, what comes to I, mind i'm worried I, i'm worried you guys are going to end up with like your own leaky condo crisis we're just not gonna i'm not gonna uh i'm not gonna disagree with you on that i definitely think that um lobbyists for lack of a better word are are driving how we should be building and i think that it should be boots on the ground should be driving how we should be building boots on the ground in conjunction with architects and designers and engineers the people that actually Teamwork. yeah though that group that's that sector of the industry they're the ones that should be saying yay or nay instead of you know, the mighty dollar dictating what we should be doing or how should we be doing it and what we should be using. That's what makes me nervous. Those are the best jobs I ever worked on is where the architect, the engineer, the builder all work together cohesively. Yes. We're going to try and turn out the best product we can within the given budget. budget. And uh, yeah, those are the best ones. They don't come along very often. Well, you got to mix it in with the, all the bad ones, right? So you can appreciate the good ones. Isn't that how we... I've said that for years. <laughs> Isn't that how we grow? We a grow. A good day? Yeah. You wouldn't know what a good day was. So how, how are you handling... I mean, obviously, and you mentioned this earlier, uh, the labor shortage. How are we going to try to get more and more kids into this industry? Because we've talked about this so many times on the show that there is that void. There's that age void in this industry where you've got a lot of 20-somethings coming in. They may not necessarily know everything. Uh, and then you've got a lot of the older gen. You know what I mean? They're, they're 50s and up. They're getting out. And, they're not, and they're, they're not speaking to each other. And so it's not that we're going to try to fill that void in the center there. I'm just trying to figure out how do we get more of that younger generation listening to the older generation or even reaching out to the older generation to kind of pick their brain. You got to expose them to it. And yes. um, a large part, I've told this story a few times, but so as our population has become more centralized, uh, you know, there's, the rural communities have got smaller and smaller and smaller. 
if you live in rural Canada anywhere, rural North America anywhere, at some point in time, you have to fix something yourself, bubble gum something together, make do with something. There's a certain level of problem solving that you grow up with, that you experience as you as you grow. Whereas if you grow up in the city and, uh, you know, mom and dad are professionals, um, they notice the door handle is loose. Somebody phones the handyman. You go to school, you come back from school and the door handle is now tight. You don't know how it happens. You don't know why it happens. It just it got done and you didn't get to experience any of that. You didn't get to see any of that. So exposure is a good thing. Shop class, some places have it, some places, some places don't. The thing that's missing from shop class, though, is the real world. Yeah. Um, so if we can somehow take, you know, your local shop class, bring up, and I know there's liability issues and there's all kinds of stuff, but either bring a builder to the shop class or bring the shop class to a builder. And let's, let's do some real world stuff. You know, let's, let's lift the wall. Let's do a blower door test. Um, while I was in Toronto, I, I, I had the good fortune to take a few minutes and uh, zip over to George Brown. Yep. Hook up with Connor Malloy. And, uh, you know, he's doing some pretty amazing stuff there. And I don't know if it helped or not. Connor seemed to think that it helped that me and Joe stopped by for a few minutes. It was, you know, Two people in the industry that took genuine interest in what those kids were doing. And I don't know how we foster that, but we need to foster that. I've spoken to Connor quite a few times and I've mentioned to, uh, on the show that I'd love to get him on the show and a few other instructors at George Brown and other schools to get on the show to actually talk about this. I mean, there's certain schools that are doing amazing things to kind of foster it, to make it work, uh, to get that interest in there. But I also think that we, we definitely need more and more people, even more people at the high school level that are looking at the kids and saying that this is an, uh, an option. It has to be something to be considering. But it's kind of interesting. Like recently, I, I, I've been approached by a co-op instructor. And, and uh, she was reaching out to me to try to get some placements for some kids. So I'm going to be reaching out to some guys that I know that have been on the show or guys that I've worked with. And I'm going to ask them if they're interested in bringing on a, a kid because you do get it for a full semester. You get the kid for five days a week and they're very interested in that specific trade. So there's been three categories that she sent my way. Um, but I was a little surprised that she didn't know much about construction. And this is the person that's kind of making the connection between construction and student who wants to get into construction. This is, this is the problem. And I mean, I mean, you've been in this industry long enough now. I mean, how vast is the knowledge base required to know just a little oh. bit about every aspect of the trade? Not, not be an expert. Yeah. Just yeah. a, just a little bit. Yeah. And you know, uh, you can't expect uh, a guidance counselor or even a shop class teacher no. to to be that broadly versed in that type of information. So there needs to be, I don't know, a go between an advocate and again, I don't know how we get there, but we've we've got to try and do something. 
But on the flip side, Aaron, um, how many carpenters or tradespeople in general, GCs, really have the time to do this? Like they're still running a business. They're running their crews. They're handling a client. There could be plurals attached to all of that. And, and it's like now you want me to kind of nurture a kid. And I have to first de- I have to decide, is this kid for this industry? You know what I mean? Like I, I can see that the kid might have bright eye, want to be in this industry, love it. But are they looking at it through filters? Are they looking at it like, oh, construction's amazing because I see it all over social media and it looks amazing. It looks stunning. It looks great. And I'm like, okay, let me tell you about the time that I was about waist deep in mud and it was raining and I had to waterproof and I had to clear things out and shoring fell apart. Let me tell you about all those times and everything that happened, all those negative times. I wasn't pretty, man. Um, so it's challenging. It is. And I, I, I think you're going to have... Um, you know, you're going to have the same people wash out of the trade that you always would. Yes. Like, the, I don't think the percentage is going to change. If, if you can get, you know, 100 people through the door, by year five, probably only 30% of those people are going to be left. Yeah. That's, that's, that's reality. But we got to get the 100 people through the door. So, you know, if they come in with starstruck eyes and they think it's going to be beautiful and every day is going to be sunshine and roof framing um <laughs> you know that, they'll quickly get started out from that but you still got to get them in the door that's true and you know i'm doing my little piece but i i don't know how we do it but one thing that i did notice over in switzerland is uh they start their trades training at 15 yep sooner earlier that's and big that's big it is. It is. And by the time they're, you know, 1920, they're already a qualified tradesperson. And that's, I mean, they'll be the first people to say that, you know, not everybody sticks with it. Yeah. Some people go other ways, but I don't know. I think we have to change the way we, the way we look at things in general. Um, not to say that that model is the perfect model, but obviously what we're doing isn't working. So somebody smarter than me has got to come up with something that works a little better. I do hear that a lot. And I've said it myself too, but I think that unfortunately, Aaron, it does fall on all of us, all of us that's in it, 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 we all have to do our little bit, our tiny, tiny little bit. And we have to contribute every single day somehow, some way we have to. We can't just kind of leave it to somebody else because guess what? There isn't anybody else. No. And, and I say this to people too. Um, and, and I've gotten pushed back over the years. And the first thing I hit somebody with when they say they don't have time to teach, I say, can you do this forever? And that usually ends the conversation. Yeah. Because none of us can do this forever. No. So, you know. I do my little bit. I try and pass some little nugget of information on every day. Um, You know, if, but you have to put in the extra work too. Like if you come to work for us, and this is just an example, we will spend four or five years turning into a decent carpenter, not an excellent carpenter, not the best carpenter in the world, 
but we will give you some well-rounded base of knowledge that you can go and do whatever with wherever. If you stick with us beyond that, we'll spend a couple of years making you into an even better carpenter. And then we'll start teaching you a little bit about business, but you gotta, it takes time. It does. And it does. not even, not everybody has the leadership skills to go beyond being a good carpenter. Not everybody wants the leadership skills to go beyond being a good carpenter. But let me ask you, Aaron, when does that carpenter that you just met that just got started, how long does it take for that carpenter to become profitable? I don't want to dismiss them as a human being. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't want to treat them like a commodity or anything like that. But I mean, there is, as a business person, we have to look at them like, if I'm not making money off of you, you know, then. On average for us to say, okay, you know, every working day, this person, or I don't know, 90% of the time you're profitable. It's probably two years. That seems about right. Yeah. It's probably two years. Um, and that's the thing, you know, uh, you, you, and it depends on how much training you put into them. If you like, I could hire somebody tomorrow to run a nail gun. And if that's all I ever have them do, well, yeah, probably they'll be pretty profitable at that. Yeah. But when I don't need them to run a nail gun, they're going to cost me money. Let me do a little history and construction. History of the handsaw. I have no idea about this. Angelina gets this stuff for me, which is great. Uh, before metal saws, people used sharp stones like flint and fish bones to cut meat and vegetables. Some of the oldest metal handsaws were found in ancient Egypt and dating as far back as 1500 BC. They were made of copper and had no handle. Iron became a more popular material around 300 BC. Original saws were used like sharpening files uh, to make accessories, not for cutting wood. Ancient Romans developed the idea of using a wooden frame to hold the saw blade, controlling the depth and direction of the cut. Saws were almost exclusively cross-cut saws for woodworking. Rip-cut saws were developed in Japan in the 15th century, but didn't take off until development of the rolled steel around 1650. Most household-owned and owned a handsaw for cutting wood by the 1800s double-edged saws became popular in the 1900s handmade saws were replaced by mass-produced saws in the mid-20th century where handmade saws were built to last with wooden handles and resharpenable blades mass-produced saws were disposable and low cost with plastic handles and hardening teeth i had no idea it's interesting <laughs> I learned quite a bit just now too. So, <laughs> so where does the name Big Dog uh, Construction come from? Uh, so when Gina and I got together, um, we've we've always had big dogs. Uh, at the time, what I kind had, of breeds. Uh, what kind of breeds did you guys have? Newfoundland Great Pyrenees. Oh, they're big. Uh, black and white. <laughs> well, actually. I don't have a black and white one right now, but I did have a black and white Newfoundland too. So I've never seen a Newfoundland dog, like a really a black and white one. Yeah, but Great Pyrenees are always white, no? They're pretty much always white, but they, some of them do have color, a okay. little bit of color. Okay, like, yeah. Some of them have a badger face. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Foggy is our youngest right now. He is not quite a year old, and he's about 90 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, the biggest ham there is. He's a goofball. He's yeah. a clown. Yeah. So in the back of the pickup truck, it's just bags and bags and bags of feed. Or it's like you, you got to fill it's it. Actually, yeah. It's actually not that bad once they're full grown. Okay. Uh, All right. So, but, yeah. I don't have any back seats in my truck. There's uh, there's that joke, you know that joke about the difference between cats and dogs. That uh, if a homeowner goes on a vacation, they can leave seven bowls of food for the cat, and the cat will eat one bowl at a time every day for the seven days, and then the dog will eat all seven of them on the first day and starve for the other six days. And yeah. I love that because that's exactly what dogs do. <laughs> they can. Some yeah. of them don't, but most of them do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's where it came from. Graze yeah. For seven days, and we got one here that would eat it in seven minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what I figured. So no, it's a great name, um, but I want to ask you. So why did you all of a sudden start caring so much about every little detail that you do? Was that just from the beginning, and and you just like looked at it and go, okay, I don't care. I'm here. I'm here already. We're working on it. We're doing this detail. Let's seal it. Let's make it tight as possible. Let's make it work. It's. It's growth. It's evolution. Um, it's it didn't happen overnight, you know. Um, as you get better at what you do, you find other things to become better at, right? Yeah. And so, not that I'm the best at at anything, because I'm not. I can if you give me enough time, I can get by at just about anything. <laughs> but I'm so. Yeah, it was durability. Um, like I'll use splashings for example, because I'm that's very passionate about yeah. that. Because yeah. I got tired of fixing rot, and uh, don't get me wrong, I've I've made a pretty good living over the years fixing stuff that I shouldn't have had to fix. But it's frustrating. You know, uh, it's very frustrating. Well, initially, it didn't even register. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this is broken. Well, that was stupid. Why would anybody do that? And you fix it and you move on. But then as Pete and repeat get in the boat and you're seeing like, I just, you know, put a hundred, $150,000 worth of material and labor into this building for $50 worth of inattention to detail. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a two and a half story, no, three and a half story apartment building. Yep. Uh, they, they had balconies off of it. So the balconies were decked over with plywood. Now I assume at some point somebody was planning on covering them with like Duradex, some type of vinyl or something like that. That, that never happened. So here the building is seven years old. I'm there cutting out sections of wall, 16 feet wide, three stories up wow. because it's gone. Okay. It's gone. And it's because the balconies ended up pitching back into the building. The flashing was put in place with PL something, PL 400, PL something, like not any type of normal sealant that okay. you would use. Yeah. And the flashing wasn't in the right location. Hmm. Um, so, and I did that for, I forget how many units, but it was, you know, basically 
you come in, you set up the poly in each unit, you tear out the patio door, you tear off the siding, you rip out the wall, the insulation, wiring, whatever, put it all back together, drywall it, somebody comes in, fixes it all back up, paint, tear everything down, move over, do another 16-foot section, move over, you know, and it was literally for a little bit of detail, uh, um, you know, probably four tubes of high-quality sealant and somebody who knew how to bend a flashing. To be able to avoid know? all of that. To avoid all that? To avoid all that. Well, maybe that's the reason why we have such high condo fees in Toronto area or any other area across Canada because things are not being built properly or whatever. But then there's also a lot of blinders going on. And so guys are only given wow. so much time, so much money to build it. And they're not like yourself where they're not thinking about the construction. They're just thinking about the hours in the day. And to be fair, I, I would never install a window or a door the way I did in like 2000. No, I, you, I, you learned. I, yeah. Things there's better ways to do things. And um, that's just, I'm still, I'm still learning better ways to do things. I, I remember in my first couple of years of construction, I was so conscious of trying to figure out new ways of doing things because I just had this fantasy thinking that construction can evolve. I just, I didn't understand how, why are we still building it the same way that's been built for the last 30, 40 years or whatever? Why can't we try these new products? There's companies from what I'm reading, there's companies making better products that in theory, when you read about it, it makes sense to use this, right? But I also remember the young kids hanging out and I would kind of show them what I learned and share it with them. But then in the back of my head, I was always still thinking about cost analysis. And I was like thinking, were you always doing that to yourself? Thinking, sure, I can spend this extra little effort, cost next to nothing, 50 bucks at the time or whatever. But if I did that for every single job and it compounded, am I still being profitable at that point? Or am I just kind of overbuilding too much and not being profitable? There's there's a balance there for sure. And uh, I, <laughs> I won't bring Gina down, but she, she'd tell you that sometimes I make the numbers not work. <laughs> that's where I'm kind of getting at, Aaron. I, I, that's what I figured, right? We, we have our passion uh, cap on and uh, we have to still keep our profit cap on too. Well, and you got to find that balance between, you know, it always has to function. Yes. If it doesn't function, it doesn't matter. Then we got to make it durable so it lasts a while. And by a while, I, I mean more than 25 years. Like, let's let's not build disposable houses. Let's not build disposable structures in any way, shape, or form. And then let's fill, let's fit the budget. Because, um, like, the build we have on the go right now, I... I won't speak to the square footage price, but um, could we have built it cheaper? Probably we could have. I, I, I know we could have built it cheaper, but there would have had to have been some trade-offs. Um, could we still have built a relatively airtight building? Yeah, absolutely. Um, would it be as well insulated? No. Would it be as energy efficient? No. So there's that. But then when we say budget, are we looking at budget in the sense of 
this is what it, this is costing this person, or are we looking at budget in the expected lifetime of that structure? There's two different ways of looking at. It. It's a no. Those are very valid points, and and I got it got me thinking about. I mean, we've uncovered so many homes from the past. And the truth of it is that I haven't really uncovered uh, major issues like, let's say, those rot, right? Um, or I, I haven't really uncovered things that are a lack of a, a, um, a proper building way or building technique. Um, and it makes me think about all the structures that are being built on, on the, um, the medium, like the general average scale. We're not talking about like contractors, tradespeople, whatever that really, really care and they're spending that extra effort. We're talking about just track building, subdivision building, just get the homes finished and get them out there. And it makes me think 15 years down the line, are we going to see major problems across these builds to the point where yeah. if nobody's discovered it and it's kind of hidden by the way the structure has been built, that it won't be discoverable until you actually expose a big portion of the build. And then at that point, you're doing dramatic repairs instead of doing minor repairs. And because I've never seen that in older homes that I've tackled or projects that I've done, I would uncover certain things and I wouldn't see major problems. I think that a lot of the ways that are being built today, and that's why I go back to my original thought of lobbyists and products that are coming on the market and, and they're driving the boat on how we build instead of boots on the ground on how we built. And I go back to that point and I'm like thinking, okay, are they actually causing more harm than good? Like 10 years from now, man, are we going to have a bunch of contractors that are just getting into the business going, what the hell is going on here, man? Like I gotta, I gotta remove this whole wall. I gotta remove this whole floor. Like, are we, is that what's going to happen? I've been there and uh, like, you know, stuff that was 10, 12 years old. And we're re like, I'm reaching it. It's a few years ago, but we did, uh, <clears throat> we removed two stories of exterior wall and we never used the saw. Wow. If, if you remind me after this over, I'll send you some pictures. Yeah, but please do. The dry rot, the dry rot was at the point that it looked like the building had been burnt. Like that's what the studs looked like. They were black and they, you know, were all alligator skin. They looked, and you just, it would just reach in with your hand and you grab it. It was, um, it was crazy. But I think we have to be careful that we don't, we don't mix eras of building science. Like if the wind blows through it, it's going to dry out. It's going to be fine. Not energy efficient. We've got that problem now. Energy costs are like, they're going to continue to go up. So we want to have, you know, this comfortable building. So you have to be careful when you start tightening it up that you don't have water getting into the structure somewhere that's getting trapped and that you understand not just what you're building, but how that building works. And I think that goes back to what I said earlier, that tradespeople now have to be smarter than they ever were. Yeah, Like you have to have at least an idea of, or, you know, an introduction into building science before you start putting a, a structure together. So, so 
here's and I love that you actually said this because um, this this that title that term mixing errors of construction. It's that's actually as simple as you can kind of define this, right? And the problem I see is inspectors coming in and dictating what the code is telling you right now, and the code. It's not that they're mixing errors of construction. They're um, completely ignoring history of construction. And they're not allowing construct, like constructors to dabble in ideas that will work. And instead of, if it hasn't been brought in front of their plate, then they won't accept it. And it's, they always revert right back to the code. And they just keep on saying this is a code. But you could be telling them, that, but this is wrong. This is going to make this wall assembly fail. And you're trying to do something better. And um, I've, I've said it before that the code is always behind the boots on the ground. I think people that are actually on the site designing, drawing, and working, collaborating together as a crew, as a team, they're figuring out how the best to build. They're navigating through that world versus the building code is designing the best way to build. But designing alone isn't the solution. No. And there's also, there, there's a lobby group for the building code. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, the, like the national building code, like it is evolving. Um, you know, we're heading towards net zero. Whether we're actually there in 2030 or not, I don't know. And I'm not going to get into that. But there's still like big business who doesn't want to see us go in a certain direction because it's going to cost them money to put up their 800 houses a year or yeah. whatever they're putting up. I got to ask you, um, can't be all serious and scientific and all construction. And everybody that's listening right now, you guys got to figure it out too. We can't give up all the secrets, uh, get a few gray hairs and then we might share some more of secrets, whatever. That's how it works in this business. Um, buy me a coffee. I'll tell you <laughs> exactly. You right. Um, I, I, I have no idea. And I'm just going to be honest. What tool brand are you, man? What tool brand? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. What are you? Uh, I'm going to say yellow, but I could be off. You're good. No, you. I I do have some yellow. Okay, I, I have a little bit. Of, I have a little bit of everything. Okay, All but right. probably most of my daily drivers are Makita. Makita, okay, I can see that. What is your background? I'm a carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can totally to see. That. To be fair, I was in the infantry first, so. Okay, there we go. That's why. That's where the first Makita... career was in the military. So, yeah, that's what know. I figured, right? So that's where the Makita comes from. But then you still have some Dewalt, right? I have some Dewalt. Uh, I got some Bosch. Got some Rigid. Oh, you got. There's a little bit of everything yeah, kicking around. Right. So you're basically like most of us. We're, you know, we're not diehard one color. We're just the tool that we need for the task that we have to pull off. That's as simple as it works. So I'll, I'll throw this at you. My oldest still functioning tool that I own is a Black & Decker Industrial. Really? How old? Uh, 90s, 95, 96. Still using it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, Gina stole it. Okay, so she's using it. Gina, All right. She stole it. Um she uses it to mix thin set and grout and stuff like that. 
it's an old black decker industrial d handles half inch d handle drill i got no i got no beef against black and decker they're a good brand uh they oh, that was the precursor to dewalt yeah they, well they're, they're the ones that started everything and technically speaking yeah. they're the only ones that have been in space so it's yeah. like okay says something about that right so um what do you like about construction that's coming up now in the future now that you've you, you're i know that you do a lot of r&d uh what do you like that's coming in almost uh becoming the norm um air tightness because it's it's interesting and uh i'm i'm hoping we can use that as a tool um well i'm hoping we can use that as a tool to interest young people and get them thinking I don't know if it's going to work out. I'm trying to set something up with my local high school shop class. Okay. We're going to bring the blower drawer down to a little building they're putting together, bring the fog machine down, fog the building, fire it up, and they can get to see what works and what doesn't. Because I never had that. I, I doubt you had that. No. Uh, you know. I was fascinated the first time I saw it when someone suggested it and explained it to me. And I was like, okay. And then um, talk about something that's not uh, taught on paper. Like this is not something that you can grasp based on paper. I think you have to understand building carpentry technique to kind of really understand what we're talking about here. Problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. Problem solving. Um, you, you can give people the skills or you can teach them skills. You can, well, you can't teach them how to think, but you can give them ideas how to think analytically or break things down step by step to solve problems. But you actually have to experience it and go, okay. Let's try this. And when it doesn't work, okay, plan B. When that doesn't work, plan C. Um, and go back and fix your own work. When something doesn't or something fails and you have to go back and spend the time warranting your own work, that is a huge teacher. You that you can't teach that on paper. No. It doesn't work. No. And, and just for everybody that's listening, uh, you are going to make a mistake. I don't 100%. care who you are. You are going to make a mistake. It ain't going to be perfect the very first time. You're, you're going to think that you did a corner, a detail, a window, a beam, something. You're going to be like, that's perfect. It's perfect, perfect, perfect. And then when you do the test, fails. And you're like, how did that fail? And it's on, it's on you now as a young, new tradesperson to figure out why the failure and solve that problem and then don't let that happen again and then come to the next failure. And you will solve a problem, you will make a rule, and then you will forget that rule, and you will repeat that mistake. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> then you'll teach it to somebody else, and they'll do the exact same thing. It'll ever, yeah, constant. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to ask you about, um, oh, I totally forgot about it. Uh, I wanted to ask you, is there a structure that you haven't built yet that you want to build? Is there a detail that you haven't come across? detail that i haven't come across. i'm a purist these days and for whatever reason i'm fascinated by brick arches and having some really good quality masonry done that i haven't seen in a very very long time 
uh, be done. I've seen it be restored, but I haven't seen it recently be done. And I'm really, really missing that. Cool. I, someday I would like to, myself, I would like to do some stuff with natural stone. Just like literally go down to the beach, pull a bunch of rocks up off the beach and do something. Um, we had an interesting project uh, a few years ago where um, basically we had a dump truck of balsa dropped on site okay. and uh, we have this stone column go up through the center of the house and it was meant to look like the face of a cliff out on the back side of the island and it's 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 a pretty cool focal feature of the house nice and it worked out really well well for the most part it worked out well uh, the owners of the building actually of the house actually did most of the work themselves till they got up to the second story okay and uh then they had to bring masons in um it just it was too much uh, so she was a sculptor he was a metalsmith um so you got somebody who's thinking purely artistically and you've got somebody who's thinking in ten thousandths of an inch building stone and uh took way longer than it probably should have and when the maze you can actually see the transit like most people wouldn't notice but i can see if, if i walk into that house i can see where it changed from them doing it on their own where it was an art project to the mason showed up where it's oh, like art but let's get it done yeah it's I, still cool yeah no. but you can see you can see the difference i i remember years back probably two or three decades ago i was actually walking along the lakeshore here and we have don the don river there and for whatever reason i found some old washed up bricks clay bricks different yeah. colors i don't know where they came from but they were there for a while and they were tumbling in the lake there along the shoreline for quite a while because all the bricks were nicely smooth and kind of just aged really well. And I just spent the afternoon collecting a bunch of them, decided to make a little garden path with it for somebody. And it looked beautiful for the first summer. Then it went through the winter, looked okay. Uh, then all of a sudden, after each new winter, not a good idea to put clay bricks down on the ground that have been destroyed by mother nature because uh, they didn't last much longer after that. They just deteriorated so quickly. As soon as that hardened shell wears away, they yeah. start to. Yeah. But I love that, that worn out kind of look to it. Um, I think it would have been better served somewhere else and maybe an interior application or on a vertical plane or something like that. But it was just nice to find these. And my first question was like, where do they come from? Why are they all tumbling here and rolling around? But it was nice to find them uh, and then using them and they didn't work. So there's limitations here in Canada on what we can do, what material. Limitations on every building product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you envious of different places and what they're doing outside of uh, Sweden there? Um, A lot of concrete, I guess, in Eastern Europe, Middle East, uh, but then you and get into the U.S. Yeah, you get a lot of siding, a lot of wood working, a lot of a lot of big wood. Yeah, um, like say it's timber frame. Yeah. Um, here in Canada, 
don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm very happy with where I live. I, I love my, you know, average commute that's under 15 minutes and wow. Takes me 15 minutes to get down the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Toronto. I know it's bad. Should I tell you that there's no stoplights on the island? Nothing at all. Really? Oh, there's stop signs, but there's no stoplights. Wow. What's, I mean, wow. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, it's, look up the island when we're done here. It's, I want to check it out for sure. I want to check it out, man. Come visit. I'll, I'll come for sure. I'll come. What's the Buy drive? lobster dinner. <laughs> what's the, what's the drive like? Or what's the flight? No, the flight's nothing. Well, it's, the flight would be nothing, but then you'd have to rent a car, get on the ferry. It's an hour and a half ferry ride. That's not that long. That's not a lot that long. Uh, let me share a little bit of OBC talk. We're talking uh, definitions these days. Uh, chamber. Do you know what a chamber is in the OBC? Well, it's not your code, but a structure in a shallow buried trench with an open bottom and pressurized distrib- distribution pipe. A check valve. Uh, a valve that permits flow in one only one direction and prevents a return flow. Uh, circuit vent. A vent pipe that serves a number of fixtures and connects to the fixture drain of the most upstream fixture. A clean-out. A fitting ex- access in a drainage venting system to allow for cleaning and inspection with a replaceable airtight cover. Uh, clean water. Water passed through a recirculation system. Uh, construction index, the CI. A level on a scale of 1 to 8 of a building's performance regarding construction type and fire protection. Contain used, contained use area, a supervised area where occupant move, movement is restricted to a single room by security measures out of their control. Continuous vent, a vent pipe that is an extension of a vertical section of a branch or drain. We're just uh, we're coming across a lot of terminology these days, and I'm, I, even I don't know what the hell they are, but they're on the drawings sometimes, so... Aaron, where do you want to go from here, man? Uh, I don't know. There's something I was going to say when we took the, we started with chamber. <laughs> I lost oh, chamber. Thought, but. Oh, I was actually going to ask you, is there a, con- a construction bone to pick that you have on these days? Oh. No, you love it all, though. Well, I, I do love it all, but um, we got, we have some distinct camps, if you know what I mean. We've got okay, uh, I think so. People that are, you know, I've been doing this for thirty years, forty years, and no, like my stuff is never broken. My never my stuff never rots. My, you know, and then we've got, you know, people that are looking at the changes and looking at the where the code is going and kind of embracing you know newer technology and i think we need to take some of those guys um rattle them (laughs) well and say look you've got five ten fifteen years left to hand on the expertise that you do have that are valid yeah and give it to this next generation and you know let's move forward because everything moves forward uh, otherwise, we'd all be driving Model Ts, right? I mean, that's 
the way it is. That's my thought process with that that group of individuals is uh, you're not driving. Well, for the most part, you're not driving the exact same vehicle you're driving 30 years ago. You've kind of purchased something else or driving something else for a reason. Same with phone. I don't see anybody carrying around with an audio Vox battery cell phone paying $1.50 for a minute usage. So yep. you evolve. Everything evolves, including construction. 100%. No, I agree with you. And it's just, um, I think maybe we got to wait until the younger ones just keep on coming up and they fill that void somehow and they help us get more younger trades into the business. And then hopefully the older ones will educate what they can and share what they can and then enjoy the rest of their days, which is great, which is what we want them to do. But we would love for them to give up a lot of the information that they've learned over the years. Yeah, because some of it will be lost. It will be. Uh, some of it will be. And historically, if you look at any occupation historically, there's things that become a lost art. And that's going to happen. And I don't know. I don't think we can prevent it all. But uh, I think we can do our best to curate some of that information and, you know, at least create something where people can go back and, and look and find that information. Where do you see Big Dog in about 10 years, man? 10 years? Have you guys discussed it or no? It's too far. Five years? Um, five years? Uh, we'll still be we'll still be building. Um, yeah. 10 years, I might be in a shop full time. Might be. Never stopping like, swinging the hammer. No, no. I just It's just going to evolve. Um, yeah. You know, I probably in 10 years, obviously I'm going to slow down more than I am right now. And I probably will be even more fussy about what I do and don't do. And maybe it'll be more of a, you know, finish work, administrative building science consultant type thing, but it probably won't be lifting walls. <laughs> no, leave that for the other people. I was going to ask you, Aaron, um, how are the ex the inspectors by your way? Are they pretty cool, pretty educated, down earth? Um, it depends. <laughs> okay, so you pretty much have the same cross section that we have here. Yeah, it's you know, you got this. I mean, people people are hard. People are hard. Yeah. It um, is. you know, you can find the right person, but they have the wrong personality, and you don't get what you need out of them because. It doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, it's boils down to people, and you just got to find the right people to work with. How do you – how are you when you first meet them on site? They come on your site, whatever particular – if it's a framing inspection or if it's a mechanical inspection or whatever, how are you when you meet them? Um, so right now we have, like, an um, our current inspector we have an amazing relationship with. Okay. Um, we just more often than not, when he shows up on our job site, it's to have a conversation. It's really not about uh, like he does check the boxes. We do get, you know, but it's usually to have a conversation. But we're also uh, because of our the way our inspections work, we're usually letting him know ahead of time that, you know, because we're using this as a vapor retarder, we're covering up the framing. So we took a whole pile of pictures. If you want to see it, you want to show up before we do this. 
because we don't actually have a framing inspection. We have a pre drywall inspection. Yes. So if I use uh, like Sega Myrex as my vapor control layer, yep. well, you can't see through that. So he'll usually show up twice or sometimes not at all and pictures pictures work, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, Would he prefer period, video? Would he like video more or? Um. He's never asked for video, but I would be happy to provide it for him. Yeah. Um, he is, unfortunately, actually, I think he's retired now. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know who the building inspector is going to be in January. Um, but <laughs> I'll cross that bridge when I come well, to you'll it. You'll find it. Uh, I do. I do want to ask you about, I, I know that a lot of people, um, that are passionate about building a certain way and trying to be as airtight as possible, they do entertain the idea of getting into modular building. Is that something that's been in your, your thought process? Um, I appreciate it. And I can see it functioning well in some locations. I, I've done panelized in the past, and there's, there's pros and cons to that as well. When it works well, it works very well. Yeah. When, when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. One thing I do like about modular construction, panelized constru construction, and uh, not, not at least any of the shops that I've seen in North America, but the ones that I've seen in Europe is they're very well lit, they're climate controlled, they're clean, they're a nice work environment and they've set things up. They've set things up so that people can build longer, you know, like you can actually have somebody work like well into their sixties, swinging a hammer inside this building because they're not cold. They're not wet. Um, they're not too hot and they don't have to do heavy lifting because there's equipment there for it. There's a crane, there's a lift, there's, there's something. So th there's definitely pros that way. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to, at least we're not there yet in Canada. Our, no. our population is too geographically spread out. Yeah. What are we, have we hit 39 million yet? Uh, we're just I, under, we're just under 39 million. We're very close. But we're, you know, geographically we're we're all over the place yeah so to have a a modular plant to realistically and efficiently service an area you'd have to have one like i don't know every every thousand kilometers would that be reasonable yeah and it i, I don't know if that's feasible at least not today you, you need some sort of incentives. You need some sort of help assisting financially speaking. Uh, but it would be a great avenue to allow a younger generation to get into the industry, to actually have a proper, like you described, environment to, to learn about building and technique um, and understanding um, wall assembly. I think there's a lot of lack of knowledge on wall assembly and understanding wall assembly. Well, that's also, you know, connected to just trades in general, not respecting each other and building what they want to build to achieve things. 
You know what I'm saying, right? And then I do know what you're saying. They don't care about the next one. They don't care about the preceding one. Like it's just like they just don't care. And um, so I think that it, that environment. That's taught. Sorry, that's taught. That's taught. Yeah, it that, is. That's been shown to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to you have to lead by example, and that's in some places, not everywhere, but in some places that has been lacking in our industry. And, um, you know, I, I think some of that was the way our industry changed overnight. Um, like all of a sudden we went from tar paper to house wrap <laughs> and, uh, well, it's true. No, no, I'm, I'm laughing because I just came across an old roll of tar paper and it kind of got me reminiscent of how things used to be. And I'm like, why do they still make this? They still produce it. And it just scares me that they still produce it. So that's why I was laughing on the tar paper. Um, um, real tar paper actually is still not a bad product. And there's there's places for it. If I, you can find real tar paper. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, but somewhere in there, like the building industry changed a little bit. And I think some of the people who should have been Teaching that next generation got caught learning the new style of building. And I don't know, somehow that group of tradespeople got left behind or didn't get the education they need. And, and, and maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm making things up, no. but I think there was just a generation of tradespeople that didn't get the education coming up. They needed and I don't know if that was also uh, the evolution of the money man, um, because at one point in time, you know, if there was a structure going on, uh, whatever it was, a house, a barn, you know, a bank, there was there was a, a carpenter there, there and he was running the show. And somewhere along the way, investors got involved in building and that that changed things as well. So I don't know. You got me, uh, Aaron, you got me so excited about this whole term of uh, mixing errors of construction. And it honestly, I'm hoping Connor's listening. I'll shoot him an email or something like that. But I definitely think I could see that as a course. I could see that as a whole course in school, teaching kids about mixing errors of construction and getting a real good understanding of how it was and how it is and how it should be. And well, really it's, learn. it's true. Yeah. It's true. Because if you're going to, take a house from let's say uh the 1800s because they, they're out there they still exist um we did one a few years ago uh, probably the initial part of the house was from like 1780s probably the original land grant the addition was from 1916 wow <laughs> you know like full logs in the basement probably cut off of you know right there but most of the structure of that house was solid yeah like completely solid but the wind he froze he froze you're frozen aaron oh there you are so oh, there you go stuff okay. like that in that house okay Oh, froze again. Uh-oh. Are we losing a signal? 
Oh. I think I'm losing your signal. Uh oh. Oh, there you are. You're back now. Are you back completely? Yeah, you're moving. You're moving. I okay, we're good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. We lost you for a split second Anyways. there. No, no problem. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It was weird. Um, but yeah, uh, just to sum this up real quick, I think eras of construction would be a really good idea. And um even though I'm a huge supporter of the Red Seal program, I, I think we do have to kind of streamline some of what a carpenter is and break out some of the other trades because it's just too much. It's too much to learn. It's, it's interesting you bring that up. And I was talking about the co-op teacher earlier on in the show. Four of the students want to get into carpentry. And my first question to her was, are we talking about framing rough carpentry? Are we talking about trim carpentry? What are we talking? And she wasn't sure. Right. And I'm trying to get, how would you describe when you say carpentry, you're a carpenter. There's the European way. There's the old school way. Then there's the Canadian way. So how would you describe it? So when, when somebody tells me they're a carpenter and, and that's all they say is a carpenter, I think of them as being able to start at the footing and we're going to go all the way to the peak of the roof and everything in between. If somebody tells me they're a framer or a rough carpenter, that's, that's what I expect. I expect them to be able to, to frame and I expect them to be able to frame faster and more productively than a carpenter. If somebody tells me they're a finished carpenter, their trim work, their finished stairs better be on point. Um, not that the carpenter won't give me a good job, a decent job, but it's just not going to be as fast and as you're going to be able to find those little things. Yeah. I love it. Those are great definitions. Totally. And that's exactly how the kids should be looking at it. You're either going to be specialized or a generalist. Let me do a little green book talk here, Aaron. You ready for this? We love doing finds, okay. the good old green book, the OSHA. Uh, height finds, height finds. Employer does not insure worker using suspended work platform system or what? Uh, oh, yeah, the chair is properly trained. So he hasn't trained the individual. What's the fine associated with that? In Ontario? In Ontario. I don't know, 5000 550 $550. $550. Wow, okay. Owner does not ensure that there is adequate roof plan. What's the fine on that one? That's probably another 550 550 There's a theme here. Worker does not wear full-body harness connected to a fall arrest system while using suspended work platform. Uh, what's the fine on that one? Five fifty. Three fifty. That was three fifty. There's always a there's always a curveball. Constructor does not notify the Ministry of Labor of multi point suspended work platform. What's the fine for that? For not letting the MOL know. Five fifty. That one's five fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, this has been great, man. Thank you so much. I want people to uh, to check it out. Uh, Big Dog Construction at live.ca and on Instagram, bigdogconstruction.gm. Uh, before I get into the twelve questions, anything else you want to share before we wrap it up? 
Oh man, this has been this has been fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate you making the time. I know everyone's in the crazy season, and I know you were like crazy, crazy when you got into town. We try to make it work, but I appreciate you reaching back out. And then we got talking, and I was like, I'm just trying to get as many people on the show to just share as much as we possibly can, because they are listening. The kids are listening. It's to be honest, it's still weird for me that people want to listen to me talk. It is funny. It's part of construction. It's part of your tool belt. It's totally out there, right? I love it. Yeah. All right. Ready for the 12 questions? Let's do it. What is your favorite construction word? Flashing. Flashing. What is your least favorite construction word? Um, others. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> What turns you on in construction? Uh, now, building science. That's that's probably and basic skills. I, I'm gonna have to give you two. They're Are both you? BS. Basic skills and building science. I love both of those, but do you feel at times? Because I feel like this. Um, it goes back to that noise. I find that there's quite a bunch of. Um, navigating through the waters of building science i just find there's a lot of information out there that may not necessarily be all the best information you you do have to be careful but that's that's the same as anything True. uh you know if you buy a book chances are the book you read on building science is going to be fairly accurate and be decent but if you're getting all of your building science information off of social media, you gotta check it. You gotta check it. Yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm getting towards. Yeah, that's what. Because I mean. and not that there isn't some great resources out there, and I won't drop names, but there are some people that are doing like amazing stuff, just free education, and uh, you know they're putting real work into their posts, and it's amazing free education but not everybody's doing that and there there's no editor there's nobody to say hey are, are you sure this is true yeah and so you do have to be careful but um if anybody listening to this wants to know some great books or great resources hit me up and i'd be happy to to share some yeah some good ones what's what's one that you can share right now a book that you actually that you read that you really uh liked? A builder's Guide to a Cold Climate. Okay. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to totally check that one out. What turns you off in construction? It can't be done. We're we're tradespeople, man. We can make anything happen. It just takes time, time, and money. And money. And and the right crew. What, uh, what What's your favorite curse word? Um, I, I try and avoid it, but okay. If you don't swear, you don't a, want to swear. A, a well placed f bomb, like there's sometimes you just the day cannot be un. <laughs> <laughs> it's needed. Trust me. What's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Oh, um, I like. I may never have one because it's 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 a want. It's not a need. But I'd like to have. A 66 Beaumont. Oh. 
a nice choice. I like someday, that. someday. I like that. This this could be a retirement project. You never know. You never know. What's your least favorite vehicle? The one that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Ah. What construction sound or noise do you love? That is a toss up. Um, you know, a circular saw that like, you know, you can hear the worm drive and it's, it's doing its thing. Or when you hear somebody running a hammer and, and you know what I mean? They, yeah. they like their hand banging and, it's bullseye, cow, bullseye, cow, bullseye, cow, bullseye. Cow. I know, I know. Respect. Uh, what's what construction sound or noise do you hate? Breaking glass. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a bad day. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you are. There's, what site? There's nothing you good. Hear that sound. Somebody's yeah. having a bad day. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? You know what? I'm pretty happy playing with wood, so it'll probably just end up, you know, cabinetry, furniture making. That's nice. kind of the direction. Nice. It'll be. The shop. The nice it'll warm be, shop. It'll be the shop. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. What profession would you not like to do? Accountant. We need him. We totally need him. Uh, last 100%. question. It's just not me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Not bad. Not bad. Aaron, absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Manny. It's been fun. Is there anything else you want to share, uh, Aaron, before we wrap it up? So this coming August, August 26th, will be the third annual International Flashing Awareness Day. Uh, it used to be a fake holiday, but seeing as how this is the third holiday. It's for real. It's it's, it's a real holiday. Now. Nice. So on social media, whatever platform you're on, post a flashing detail you like, post a flashing failure, uh, anything to do with let's get water down out and away. Awesome, man. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. I want to share something that day as well, too. I hope you do. All hope right, do. we'll do, man. All right, thanks I'm so gonna, much, I'm Aaron. Keep an eye out for that. Oh, I will for sure, man. Don't worry. All right, thanks so much, Aaron. Really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate it, Manny. It's been fun. All right, everybody, check it out again. It's uh, bigdogconstruction.gm on IG. Reach out to him uh, for some insight. Bigdogconstruction at live.ca. Uh, that's it, man. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Have it's a great fun. holiday break, and uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll chat with you in the new year. Perfect. It sounds right. awesome, man. Thanks, Angelina. We are out of here.